0: This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community.
1: This is Alan Reader, and for some strange reason, you've tuned in for the latest episode of the Orange Podcast. I usually weekly look behind the scenes at some of the interesting stories from the people making a contribution at Orange City Council. Today on the show, we'll find out what happens after the first 200 trees disappear this week as work finally begins to build a new sporting precinct, how and when you can have your say to support or oppose this project and what is a permeable grass car park. But first up, there's a crew at Orange City Council whose work goes completely unnoticed until you turn on a tap or flush a toilet. But then, this week, in the midst of a COVID pandemic, Their work makes the front page. You're listening to The Orange Podcast. The Orange community has been living with COVID for many months now, many, many months. But something happened this week that has never happened before. You've probably caught the coverage about it already. Uh, For the first time, uh, some COVID fragments were detected in our sewage system. To find out some more of how that works and what that adds to our understanding, uh, the manager that oversees that for Orange City Council, John Francis, John... How, how long have we been doing testing at the request of our health authorities?
0: Yeah, hi, Alan. Um, not exactly sure of the, the um, number of months that we've been doing it for, but, yeah, it's been, been a little while now. So uh, the operators at the sewage treatment plant have become quite proficient at collecting their samples and sending it off to the lab in Sydney. Tell us how that happens. So we've got an automatic sampler that we set over a 24-hour period and that's set up at the inlet works, so the entry to the sewage treatment plant. That sample collects oh, about 100 mils every hour for, the, like I said, the 24-hour period. So it's uh, about two and a half litres of, of what we call a competent, composite sample is sent off to Sydney. And what happens then? How do results come back? So health notify us when we have a detect. Um, and in this case, it's uh, the, the case this week, which is our first detect, uh, was done so via a phone call from the regional health officer.
1: Can you explain in fairly simple terms what they're actually detecting?
0: Yeah, sure. Look, it's a um, my understanding is it's a, a, it's a lab. It goes to a lab, and in this case a Sydney water lab in Sydney, um, a bench test where they uh, put part of our sample into vials and put it into a, a uh, machine that generates a computer uh, report, generated report, uh, and what that's actually looking at is part of, or seeing if there's a detect of a piece or fragment or part of the genetic sequence of the COVID virus. And as mentioned, it's, it's a fragment. And why they use the word fragment is because it's a, no longer a live, part, live virus. So it's, it's a dead part of that, that virus, and thus they use the word fragment
1: the process of um, a live virus going through our sewage system it dies but that does leave a fraction behind that can be detected and a tiny tiny thing within millions of litres of water
0: yeah that's correct so one of the amazing things about the about the um testing program which by the way is run by new south wales health and um uh, health departments right across australia actually uh, is that it's able to detect a very uh Small amount of the COVID uh, fragment in what is a large volume of sewage that flows into, in, in our case, the sewage, Orange sewage treatment plant every day.
1: We haven't had any positive cases confirmed in Orange. Um, does the volume of the fragment, does the is does the tests produce something that tells you how much
0: COVID might be in Orange? Yeah. Look, my understanding is is that they are able to get some sort of a quantification. Uh, we we that doesn't get passed on to us the uh, understanding uh, what uh, we've been told is that it's a definite detect in this case and really what that becomes useful for is um, providing the community with uh, uh, an indicator that there's a case in the catchment in the sewer catchment and it's it's up then up to us to get out and get tested if we happen to have any symptoms
1: and that might be someone who's driven through town and used a public toilet. It might be someone who's living here. But in the meantime, it's extra layer of information that lets us move on and, and manage things better.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the case. And uh, right now, you would assume that there's not too many people driving through town, given the current lockdown. But, but look, it's definitely the case. Another scenario is it could be some septic waste that's brought into the treatment plant from outside our sewer catchment, so elsewhere in the region, in the greater region, uh, we've checked that, and that has—that's not the case this time. So w- w- the assumption is, is that uh, the detect has come, some come from somewhere in the city of Orange. So let's explore that some more. A couple
1: of weeks ago, there were reports of uh, contact tracing happening around the Molong area. Uh, the person who was a confirmed case there was thought to be uh, not adding to the town sewer system, therefore using a septic tank. So one day when those things get delivered uh, to the Orange sewage treatment plant, if someone's pumping out a tank, you'll know when they're coming and you can adjust, you can deal with that in terms of adding the information about a test.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, part of the New South Wales waste carting rules is that we, uh, the, both the carter and the receiver need to track where that waste has come from. So, we do have that information. In this case, we have handed on to health that um, we didn't have any septic receivals in the period or leading up to the period for where we've had this detect. How often are you doing tests here in Orange? At this point, it's uh, twice a week. It does vary. Uh, When we're in the program initially, when things were quiet with COVID around the state, we're only doing it once per week. Uh, We got as high as uh, three times per week, but we're we're currently running at a a frequency twice a week. So uh, that's a Monday and Thursday for this week and uh, depends on uh, developments and health get in touch with us if they want that to change. I guess the number
1: of sewer systems around New South Wales that are receiving that have to be tested is adding to their workload. So there are limits on how much they can test.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and certainly in the news with um, uh, the press conferences from New South Wales Health at the moment, I think there's chatter about uh, moving some of the or reprioritising the resources back in from Sydney out into the regions. Uh, we we haven't experienced any of that. Like I said, we've been part of the program now for a little while. Uh, obviously, uh, we've had the detect this week. Uh, we will get our next result uh, in the next couple of days, so um, and that'll determine you know, if the frequencies change. John, the work of our sewer and our water team pretty well is invisible
1: most of the time, um, but this example this week shows just how crucial it is and
0: crucial that we do it to an excellent standard. Yeah, really glad you raised that, Alan. So We've got four operators out at the Searish Treatment Plant We've got Grant, Mark, Adam, and Jerry. They do an awesome job both on the environmental front and the health front. Certainly, the the health side of things has uh, been the focus of this discussion. Uh, but they're also we also work really hard in ensuring that our treated effluent, as it's discharged to creek, as an example, meets environment protection licence limits. So those guys have done an excellent job in this case, and and uh, as is the norm uh, for. For the team down there. John Francis, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Alan.
1: You're listening to the Orange Podcast, the Orange Water and Sewer Team, keeping us healthy and keeping us safe. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. Out at the Bloomfield site, there's been plans to do a major sporting precinct out there for many, many months. This week, some signs of progress. The first couple of trees came down. And that work looks like it's going to be continuing for another week or so yet. To find out some more, Orange City Council Director of Community Recreation and Community Services, Scott Maunder. Scott, were you pleased when you saw some progress on site this week?
2: Yes, I so was. Well, always good to start a project. Uh, we've got a long road ahead of us. So just obviously the preliminaries on site now, um, which will go for about another two to three weeks which is just seeing some initial clearing to allow the civil works to uh, commence.
1: The Heritage Council has given the approval for those first couple of hundred trees to go. Why those 200? Um, I understand it's something to do with some, some cut and fill, some places where there'll be a lot of earthworks needed on the site. Yes,
2: yeah, so they, their initial uh, approval was to, remote, to um, clear the site for the two stadiums, so the athletic stadium and the main sports stadium. And then they asked for some more detail before we started clearing the site for the other eight multipurpose fields. But, yes, essentially uh, because of the height difference across that that precinct and the area that eight fields take up, uh, there's a lot of cut-in fields. So the trees have to be removed to allow that to happen.
1: There'll now be a bit of a, a gap in proceedings while the next round of approvals start to happen. What is the next step and when might that happen?
2: So I have another meeting with Heritage Council on Friday the 20th of August and in that we'll discuss what we're proposing for the landscape plan and give them some more information around how it might look when it's finished. That was the same landscape plan that was released this week to the public for comment uh, and we'll just get some some information from them. We then have to go through the process though of, uh, of lodging a DA and having that considered and approved. So that process will take probably around two to three months. First
1: things first, um, you mentioned the landscaping plan. There's been lots of positive community feedback about that. People are expecting to see sports fields, and what they're seeing is something that looks more like a a park surrounding some sports fields.
2: Yeah, so that's certainly the intent, uh, and it's around its use outside of a, of a sporting precinct as such. So we're all familiar with open sports fields, uh, but what this does is create a park environment around that sports field. So its its use is increased and its appeal is increased for the uh, residents and visitors. And there's some fun
1: things. There's a there's a, some gathering
2: places. What's that about? Yeah, again, so that's recognising that when people go to a park, they use it for all sorts of different things. So some of them are picnics. Uh, so picnic shelters. Um, barbecues etc so just again increases the usability of the precinct and it's not just about what you're doing on the on the fields when you're using them for sporting activities but about the precinct being available for use uh, all year round for a whole range of different activities
1: all year round every sporting precinct has a car park but the car parks for these are on the green end of the scale how will they work permeable grass car parks what's that mean
2: yeah, so essentially it, uh, it's, it's a product that allows the water to, per, to go through uh, into the ground. So rather than having a, a black asphalt finish, these uh, are, are like bricks that are placed at close together but have a separation between them and it allows for water to um, permeate, obviously go through that, that into the ground. But also allows for some grass to grow as well. So when you look at it visually, it's much softer. Uh, it's not black, and also um, and also functions quite well as a car park.
1: So you mentioned the next stage of development approvals will happen in towards November. That's when it'll be lodged, and who gets to make that final decision? Local council or the WRPP?
2: So. We'll, we pending that discussion uh, on the 20th with the Heritage Council. We'll lodge that um, more or less straight away. It's ready to go, and then it goes on exhibition for a month, and then it goes to Heritage for another couple of weeks, and then it's referred to the uh, back to council, and then council decide whether they support the project or not, and then it goes to the Western Region Planning Panel. So it's a bit it's a bit complicated, but that's the process. So all of that will probably take two and a half months and then the WRPP will make the final determination.
1: We're in the midst of a COVID thing that might slow things down, but are you confident this project might go out to tender before the end of the year?
2: Yeah, so we plan on issuing the tender for the next phase um, and we'll overlap the uh, approvals phase. So we did a similar thing with with this first phase of, of um, preparing the site where we actually called for quotations because we knew what we wanted to do and it was pending the approval. So we'll, we can overlap those two things, which is what we'll do with this phase as well.
1: And again, that next round of approvals means a lot more community consultation. So people who support the project and people who p- oppose it can all have their say.
2: Correct, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're at a point now where the uh, Heritage Council supports the project. Uh, They support the layout of the project and they support what we're doing. So, they wouldn't have given us an approval to commence works unless they were comfortable with where we were going, Um, but it does obviously provide an opportunity for people to provide further input into what the final product will look like, but we wouldn't have progressed to this phase unless we'd had that level of comfort uh, around the project proceeding.
1: So in the meantime, people will see some activity for a couple of weeks, then it'll go quiet and, and one day they they'll still looking forward to some sporting
2: facilities on the, on the site. Yeah, there'll just be a short delay through this ab- approval phase and then we'll, we'll, we'll get on with the civil works and it'll happen in earnest after that.
1: Scott Mawnda, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Alan. And thanks for joining us for this week. Remember, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts you can also download the program from the Orange City Council website where you can find past episodes. Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.